there are a lot of struggles that type 1 diabetics go through that they don't always talk about or you aren't always seeing in daily life. And people don't want to just hear success stories. They want to hear how you got there. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Type podcast, aimed to uplift and empower everyone in the diabetic community, from supporters to professionals, and of course, those living with it. I'm your host, Alyssa Gothi, and today we have an exciting episode with a fellow T1D that I've become pretty good friends with due to our interesting similarities that tend to mirror each other very well. We talk about a range of things from mental health to disordered eating habits and the struggles we faced in our education that are very similar, but also very unique to our own situations. So I'm very excited for you to hear our story and meet our guest today. Let's get into it. Our guest today is an advocate, vocalist, actor, educator, and type 1 diabetic, Lily Jeswald. Diagnosed at the age of four, diabetes has had a major impact on her life, leading her to advocate at the local and state level in partnership with the Miss America organization. Serving as Miss Lakeville 2022, she will bring type 1 diabetes to the Miss Massachusetts stage once again in hopes of representing on the national level. Please welcome Lily. Welcome to the Not Your Type podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, why don't you just give a little background on yourself, where you're from, um, the organization you're with, and your connection to type 1 diabetes. Sure. So my name is Lily Jeswald. I am from Lakeville, Massachusetts. And this year, I'm actually representing my hometown of Lakeville as Miss Lakeville within the Miss America organization. Regarding diabetes, I was diagnosed at age four. So within the Ms. America organization, for those who don't know, you have to have what's called a social impact initiative. And that's basically what I like to call a passion project that you like to work on and really dive into. And so my social impact initiative is called Type 1 Diabetes and Me Generation Z, which is really focusing on awareness and representation of type 1 diabetics. I also have a social impact initiative uh, being Miss Greater Des Moines, so mine is very similar. Mine is called Not Your Type, which is how I kind of figured out the name for this podcast and my YouTube channel. Can you explain a little bit more why you're focusing on Generation Z, where that kind of came from? Growing up, there was always a lot of representation of adults with diabetes, and we see a lot of people confuse type 1 and type 2 diabetes. I think a lot of it has to do with commercials on TV and some improper representation in media and in entertainment. And so my mom had always said, you know, if there's nobody to look up to that's your age or nobody around your age, then you have to be that person. So that's really where this idea came from was... I really want to be that person to be a role model for people my age with type 1 diabetes and to be a representative because when I was younger, it wasn't really okay to show your pump in public and people would make faces when I had to take uh, insulin syringes as a little kid in restaurants. And so once I became more comfortable with it as a young woman, I realized that this was really my opportunity to go out into the community and represent 
You brought up so many good points that we will definitely be touching on in just a bit, but I also really resonate with that. I was diagnosed when I was 11, which it was my first week of middle school, so very tough, and definitely at a different stage in my life than, you know, four years old, but I also didn't really have anyone to look up to or that I could relate to and kind of see myself in at my age, and I had to be my own advocate, which I'm sure you relate to. How difficult was that? And have you ever been made to feel different because of your diabetes growing up? So when I was in elementary school, I know we talked a bit on this 101, but I, I had a bit of a hard time because the adults around me weren't educated properly on how to care for somebody with type 1 diabetes and how to deal for medication. So when I was in elementary school, thank goodness we only lived down the street, my mom would have to come in at lunchtime to give me a shot and count up all my carbs because, as you know, as a little kid, you can't be in charge of your own health and you have to, your parents have to make sure that you're going to be healthy and you're going to be safe because if you make the wrong move, then something bad might happen. And that even happens today as a young woman, like we have to be very, very precise with what we're doing medically and just by the food we eat, the carbohydrates we intake to make sure that we're regulated and we're maintaining our blood sugars. So during my time in elementary school, I had a bit of a tough, tough time just because, you know, the adults around me weren't educated, like I said. And so my mom had to be the advocate for me when I was younger. I'm really lucky that I can't remember what it was like to not have diabetes. So I've never been in the position where I felt totally embarrassed or totally taken aback because I never showed up one day randomly with diabetes. I was always there with diabetes. Now, once I got into middle school, I started becoming a little afraid of being myself and showing that, especially because where I'm from in Freetown Lakeville, it's a really, really small area. So in middle school, we combined with the next town. So there were 200 kids I'd never met before. And that was really my first shocked moment, I guess you could say of, oh my gosh, these kids don't know me. Maybe I don't want to be known like that. So that was really my first instance of struggling with confidence in type one diabetes and things had gotten better. Um, probably up until high school, because to be completely transparent with you, I had a tough time in high school managing my blood sugars. I went through what they kind of call the teenage syndrome, where you just stop testing your blood sugar or don't take your insulin. And so I really damaged my health a little bit when I was a teenager, and I struggled with that. But within the Miss in America organization and working on my social impact and becoming more comfortable being myself as both a diabetic and just a person, um, it's really helped me get back on track and to be that representative that I needed, not only as a little girl, but especially as a teenager. Those high school and middle school years are really tough because puberty absolutely skews everything with your blood sugars, the amount of insulin you're taking. You're also hungry all the time and you're you know fluctuating with all these different things. So I also experienced that in high school and it's really hard because you want to relate to your peers, you want to do all the things they're doing, but you have to take those extra steps and those extra precautions and that's really hard to do, especially at a young age when you can't really see, oh, I'm prioritizing my health. 
that's a really hard thing to do. So I definitely have had some diabetes burnout um, a few times in my life, and I've only had it for 10 years now, which sounds like a long time, but unlike you, I was diagnosed at 11, so I do remember a little bit of my life without diabetes, and that's also a struggle because sometimes you just wish you could go back to that moment when you weren't always worried about what your blood sugar is. Is it rising? Is it falling? Am I taking enough insulin? Am I eating enough? Those are really hard things you have to think about. So I definitely relate to those high school years and teenager syndrome for sure. Have you ever experienced besides, you know, that burnout, any form of mental health or anxiety related to your diabetes? You know, especially during the high school years, I had a, a lot of issues um, with body image and the way I looked. And the doctors at Jocelyn Clinic are amazing, but I don't know if you've ever experienced the same thing as somebody who's always been just a little bit bigger than the average girls next to me. I was always told at the doctor that I needed to lose weight. And so that was part of my struggle with that teenager syndrome and that diabetic burnout was, well, this is a great way to lose weight because unfortunately my doctor had introduced me to the idea of not taking insulin and had kind of given me the idea of really micromanaging the insulin that I took to make sure that fat was burned. And so I had a really tough time in high school on both sides, just the way that I looked feeling, you know, peer pressured to be smaller, to be different, to hide my medical devices and to also hide really the way that I looked. So I had a, a lot of trouble there, but as for more of the anxiety side of it, I hadn't really struggled with my anxiety uh, with diabetes until the pandemic happened. And I think that's because once the pandemic started, all of my time was looking at my pump. My pump was beeping. It was also just last year during the pandemic that I got both my continuous glucose monitor and my new pump, which connects to the um, CGM. And so I think having that constant reassurance of what your blood sugar is and, oh my gosh, I need to bolus, that definitely gave me a little bit of medical anxiety because I was seeing my numbers in real time. And before that, I had never gotten that. It was just, you know, I tried to test 10 to 12 times a day. Um, and when I would test, if it was a little bit high, I'd give myself some insulin. And when I was first really introduced to the CGM, it was startling to see how anxious I got when I saw those double arrows go up or go down. I mean, ignorance is bliss, right? When you don't have a continuous glucose monitor, you can almost play it off like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. And testing uh, intermittently throughout the day, you know, you kind of get to pick and choose when your times are. But with the CGM, I also wear one. You always are notified when it's going high, when it's going low, if it's staying the same, if you're in target X percent of the time. So I definitely feel that anxiety. And also with the pandemic, I mean, we are at risk, right? With COVID-19, especially when it was first occurring, I was terrified to leave my house. I didn't know what would happen to me. I didn't know how it would affect my diabetes, if I would have you know, a severe reaction to it, if I were to get COVID-19. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten it yet. My father has not gotten it and he's also a type one diabetic, but there's those multiple layers of anxiety that the pandemic has brought for everyone, but especially for the chronically ill and immunocompromised. 
Yeah, no, I, I remember sitting there when that the news first broke. I remember being on school vacation from college. It was spring break and they had extended our spring break by two weeks, which was insane because everybody was just saying, oh, it's fake. It'll take five days. It'll go away. And the second that it got into our country, um, everything shut down. And that was really scary to me. I do remember on the news them saying people who are immunocompromised should stay home, don't go anywhere. Um, and I just live with my mom and I lived with my mom at the time too. And she's also immunocompromised. She's a cancer survivor. And we had to go to the grocery store to get food. And I just remember being scared to my wits to just go to Walmart to pick up food for the next couple of weeks. I remember seeing people with plastic bags wrapped around their faces because they didn't have masks. That was the time when people were still sewing masks. They couldn't sell them. Um, that I mean, that was just a time of fear. And so the pandemic really kicked me back into gear to really maintain my blood sugars and get back on track. I've been really lucky to be really well maintained since my issues in high school, but being home every day kicked me into shape because I couldn't put my focus anywhere else. Right, which I guess is one positive spin on, <laughs> on what we've gone through the past few years. Circling back to the body image thing, I very much have struggled with disordered eating habits and you know my body image, especially in high school. And I do think a lot of it was centered on diabetes because you're always aware of the food you're putting into your body, how much of it, um, whether you like it or not, you know, your eyes will wander to the rest of the nutrition information on your food, not just the carbohydrates. So I definitely relate to that. And unfortunately, diabulimia, rationing your insulin in hopes of losing weight that way is a very real thing. Um, and if you are struggling with it, to anyone listening or watching, contact your doctor, make sure they know what's going on to keep you safe. But I appreciate you bringing it up because so often diabetes is misconstrued in the media to be a disorder that is brought on by overeating or being overweight or just living an unhealthy lifestyle. And there's nothing that we could have done differently to change the outcome. I mean, at four years old, what could you have done, right? So I appreciate you bringing that up and just shedding more light on how it is not any of our faults for having diabetes. And for people with type two diabetes, it's often genetic as well. So that's a wonderful thing and very brave of you to share. So thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. I honestly don't usually share it, but where we're in the space, where we're really chatting about diabetes, I just, feel like it's appropriate to be more transparent about everything. Shifting gears a little bit in terms of advocacy work. So with your initiative in Miss America, what type of work have you done for your social impact initiative of T1D Generation Z? And what plans do you have that you're kind of setting in motion or would like to see done in the T1D community? This is all very exciting to me. So Within the past couple of years, a lot of my work has gone behind the scenes, as you know, on social media because of the pandemic. And I've talked to dozens of newly diagnosed type one diabetics. So phone calls, Zoom interviews, just to really talk to somebody like me who has had diabetes for a long time and to not have to hear it from a medical professional because advice from medical professionals is 100% needed when you're newly diagnosed. 
But something that people don't recognize is that a lot of the people who do work um, in the diabetic area and profession aren't actually diabetics themselves. So they can have some really great advice from textbooks, how to keep your blood sugars on track. But newly diagnosed people want to hear what it's like in the middle of the night and what it's like when you're at school, when sometimes you are juggling between making it to class and having to treat your low blood sugar. So I've had a really nice time getting to know some of these newly diagnosed children and teenagers and the parents as well. I think the parents are the people who really need it most, need the reassurance that their child's going to be okay, um, that it's going to be tough, but they're going to be okay. So I've had a lot of fun with that. Beyond that, a lot of my work has just been representing by wearing my medical devices out and about in daily life and on my appearances. So I had a bit of a struggle in college because I'm a theater student and uh, I was cast as one of the leads in one of the musicals at school and I had asked my director, I think we may have talked about this before, but I asked him, you know, if I could have my, my low blood sugar snacks backstage just in case of emergency and he basically looked at me and was like, for what? And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I have type 1 diabetes. Haven't you seen me testing my blood sugar? He was like, well, yeah, but I didn't know you were sick with type 1 <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> and so uh, that was really eye-opening to me um, for him to really look me in the eyes and genuinely believe that I was sick, not out of hate or spite, just genuinely to be um, that misinformed about type 1 diabetes, to think that I was ill. And so that I struggled with a little bit. And once I got my CGM, I couldn't find somewhere to hide it on my stomach that I couldn't see it through my clothes. And my mom said, why don't you just put it on your arm and let it be seen? And that's what I started doing. That was the most comfortable place to wear it. I don't know. Where do you wear yours? I also wear mine on my arm. Yeah. I mean, that for me, just the way I sleep, I sleep crazy. I sleep on my tummy. I sleep on my side. So my arm was always the most comfortable and it opened up this opportunity for me to speak to people in daily life because they'd see it on my arm and they'd say, oh, I have a Dexcom too. Are you a diabetic? And just being open and placing that in the forefront to be visible has given me the opportunity to discuss with people in my own community, just at the grocery store or in the supermarket, um, about their journey with diabetes and to see what they've done. So that has been remarkable for me to see how many people in my own town have type 1 diabetes that I never, ever knew. When I was little, there were two other young boys who had diabetes, and it was just the three of us growing up in the high school for as long as I can remember. And now, I think because of these devices, we see so many people throughout our towns and our cities who also are fighting the same fight. <laughs> but beyond that, I am currently writing a children's book um, about type 1 diabetes and to teach children and possibly middle schoolers to that age range um, about diabetes, what it is and what it means and really just how to help somebody if they need a little guidance and need some aid in the struggles that they're facing. I know we've talked about this before, but I feel like we just mirror each other so much. Um, 
I agree with the educational part of what you were saying, just wearing your device out and about. I think too often people think the educational part of diabetes has to be so formal and it has to be in schools, but just wearing your devices and advocating in your daily life by sharing your story and just telling people what it's really like, the realities behind it, is just as informational as a school visit or as you know, implementing different curriculum in our school system. Ever since I've started wearing my CGM, I've definitely had a lot more people ask about it and honestly be a lot kinder about it as well. I was so afraid to wear my CGM on my arm. I had the Dexcom before and I wore that on my stomach exclusively. So it was always hidden under my pants or from shirts. It was never out in public. And even if I would wear swimsuits that were a little more revealing, I always wanted to take it off before I went to the swimming pool. I was honestly embarrassed and almost shameful of it. And I can't really explain why other than I felt different and I felt like I was showcasing that different for the whole world to see. But now it's almost like I'm wearing it and being proud of it because I know that I have survived this far with it and will continue to thrive despite all the obstacles I'm facing. And now I get to proudly tell people that I'm a type one diabetic and I've still accomplished all of these amazing things. Again, we mirror each other so well. And funnily enough, my mom and I are planning on writing a children's book about <laughs> diabetes as well. So, <laughs> so we can have a book release party sometime together over Zoom. Definitely. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Yeah. So, and then if you win Miss Massachusetts and I win Miss Iowa, there we go. <laughs> that, that would be fantastic. Can you imagine the representation if two diabetics went to Miss America together? Oh, that would be literally a dream come true. <laughs> so incredible. Well, I have had the best time talking with you again, as always. Um, are there any closing thoughts you'd like to share about you, your initiative, or your story with diabetes? I say this a lot um, on stage and in my interviews within Miss America, and I just kind of want to echo it here too. With type 1 diabetes, I always like to say that just because you can't see it most of the time doesn't mean it's not there. So there are a lot of struggles that type 1 diabetics go through that they don't always talk about or you aren't always seeing in daily life. And I think it's really important for me and probably for you too, Alyssa, to just be that representation for people and to be truly authentic and transparent with the things that go on because people don't want to just hear success stories. They want to hear how you got there. And so it, it's really important for me to share my history and my journey from being, you know, a little girl who was embarrassed and a teenager who struggled and rebelled to now being a young woman who is proud of who she is and is really thankful to have this opportunity to be a representative of people like me. I could not have said it better. I am so appreciative of everything you've shared and being so open about it. Um, again, I relate so much to everything you're saying and I'm sure everyone listening or watching agrees. So last thing, where can they find you, you know, on social media? Where can they follow along on your journey to Miss Massachusetts? My Miss America organization accounts on Instagram is Miss underscore Lakeville. And on Facebook, it's just Miss Lakeville. You can find me there. If you want to follow my personal accounts, my Instagram is at the Lily Marie, um, L-I-L-Y-M-A-R-I-E. Uh, my Facebook's Lily Jeswold. Let's see what else. 
My TikTok is at Lily Jez W. So L-I-L-Y-J-E-S-W. Beyond that, sorry, there's so many accounts. Um, my diabetic journey is under type 1 diabetes and me, Generation Z. So if you look that up anywhere, you'll be able to find it. Beautiful. Thank you again so much. And I look forward to everyone hearing your incredible story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Lily for being our guest today and being so open and transparent about her diabetic journey. Being able to talk about it with me and sharing everything that she's been through is truly remarkable, and I'm so grateful to have had her today. Be on the lookout for more episodes and follow along wherever you get podcasts. So, until next time!